United Pentecostal Church Sunday morning service. It's good to be here this morning, and it's good to see each and every one of your smiling faces. Uh, we have a, a few announcements this morning. Uh, today, Brother Seth Williams will be ministering, and it's been a blessing to have him here over the last week and a half, two weeks. Uh, I know he's really touched my life with the ministry that he's got, and God's put an anointing upon him, and I'm thankful that God has put an anointing upon young men uh, to bring the Word of God to us, to help spread it. So, uh, On October the 10th, there's a Ladies United Fellowship at Sister Dickie will be speaking at my favorite restaurant, the Sirloin Stockade, that I may sign up. Uh, on March the 29th, we have a fall festival. The sign-up sheet is in the foyer. Uh, the care group luncheons. Today is Sister Nell Fleming's care group, so if you're in that care group, you'll be eating good, I'm sure. And on October the 9th is care group two, Sister Leah Faust. October the 16th is care group three, Sister Joanne Bolton. Octo uh, October the 23rd is care group one, Sister Lisa Cal Calico. Your care group leader, they'll get in touch with you and ask you what to bring, tell you what to bring, whatever you need to do. Uh, and there are two spots left for Branson. If you would like to get on the bus and go to Branson, uh, that's always a great time. To, to be on that bus and take that trip. Uh, they have to know no later than next Sunday, October the 9th, you can tell Sister Meyer or Sister Lisa Calico. Uh, over the past few weeks, I've noticed on social media that it's uh, wife appreciation, husband appreciation, daughter appreciation, dog appreciation, boss appreciation. Everybody's appreciating somebody. And it's kind of weird. Uh, but October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I'm very appreciative of my pastor. He's, he's not just someone that stands on the sideline. As I was saying, he stands in the storm with us while we're there. And I'm thankful to have a man of God uh, by my side when I go through trials and tribulations that I know that I can run to him and seek his advice and seek his counsel. So during this month of October, we're going to have a mailbox set up out there in the foyer. And you are allowed to give uh, cards, uh, love offerings, whatever it is that you feel in your heart that you should give to them just to show your appreciation for Pastor and Sister Meyer. And I know that they're greatly blessed, and we are a greatly blessed church. So if we could just rally again and, and just show our love offerings and our, our love for our, our ministers of this church. So if y'all want to stand and worship with these today. How many of you are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Can I get a hand clap of praise to the Lord right now? Let's get after it this morning. We were joking, Brother Seth, Sister Callan, and I, just before service. I, I won't use the exact vernacular that we were using, but we said, you know, let's kick some devil rear in this morning. You said, you, he said, Brother Seth was just saying, you know, sometimes we just got to take it straight to the devil. 
You know, if the devil's going to come against us with social media, with the agenda of the world, and with the political parties, then why can't we take it straight to him and just let's just knock him right in the mouth today, okay? Let's get it.
waiting If you're not done working Then I'm not done praising If you're not done moving Then I'm not done waiting If you're not done working Then I'm not done praising I believe you're moving So I'm not done
Even in my darkest moments This will be the truth I'm holding The same God who made a way It's the same God who's here today I don't need another reason I don't need more convincing The same God who made a way It's the same God who's here today Even in my darkest moments This will be the truth I'm holding The same God who made a way It's the same God who's here today Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We have a few prayer requests we're going to take before the Lord here today. Dot Lipscomb, she'll be having surgery this week, so make sure to pray for her. Miller Gamberry, Tammy Welch, Ernest Ponce, Christine De La Rosa, Brandon Hutchins, Vicky Sace, Norman Gilbert, Sister Jean Fortner, Carla Clark, Monica Helm, Rex Foster, Bernice Smith. Patricia Inslee, Parker Armstrong, Lloyd Ushery, Bob Bolton, T.W. Hush, Lois Weems, Dennis Shannon, Billy Bolton, Brother Sister Bristow, Brother Sister Proctor, Brother Sister Billy Trinado, and Chaplain Steve Gibbs. The verse of that song that just really sticks out to me is having done all I can do, I still will stand. And in the Bible, it tells us that if we don't give our praise, then God will get his praise from the rocks. And now praise, it's an, it's an interesting thing, right? Because having done all you can do, meaning you've done everything possible in the situation, meaning you've lived the best life, and yet you're, you still have a loved one that has cancer that's potentially fatal. Having done all I can do, I, I tried to lead my kids on the right path. You don't get it, but they're, they're still off in the world. Having done all I can do, I'm still off in the deep end, God, and I f- it feels like I've jumped off the diving board and I'm in 12-foot water and I don't know how to swim. But we finish it and it says, having done all I can do, I still will stand. Because praise isn't dependent on our circumstances. You see, praise is what is required of us as his children. Praise is what we give no matter how deep the water is. Praise is what we give no matter how far off our kids are, no matter how far off our parents are. And that's not easy. But God says, you better give it to me. Because if not, guess what? That's fine. I'm going to get my praise. I'm going to get my worship. I'm going to get my glory. 
But whether or not you want to be a part of the kingdom that can overcome death, hell, and the grave, so be it. He said, if not, I got some sweet rock warriors that are going to, they're going to go hard for me. Literally, that's literally a rock. I mean, it doesn't get much harder than that. But I come not to discourage you and say, you know, you're, you're not that great at your job. A rock can replace you. I don't come saying that. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I come simply to give inspiration and encouragement in saying our God doesn't necessarily care whether or not you're able to give your praise. He just asks that you do it anyways. Because that's what matters most is whenever we repay that faith towards God, he says, okay, okay, Job, I've taken everything from you and you're still giving me praise. I can work with that. Okay, David, you're not that big. You're the youngest of your brothers. Okay, I can work with that. Because he has the faith. He has whatever. He gives him the praise still. God, I'm just a David. God, I'm just a Daniel in a lion's den. That's all he needs is a Daniel in a lion's den. That's all he needs is the youngest of a brother. That's all he needs is that faith. That's all he needs is that praise. And so I encourage you today step out in faith even in the deep end of the pool even in losing a loved one even in seeing family members walk away because that's where God says okay I can work with that and I'm going to reward your faith for that Jesus we step towards you today God and this front is open if there be any need here today God I urge you to step forward and our ministers will anoint you with oil and men and women will step out in faith with you and pray with you, God. Jesus, I come against every demon and every devil in hell that might be trying to hold bondage, that might be trying to hold some kind of physical ailment. I come against that in the name of Jesus Christ with the blood of Jesus that he shed for us on Calvary. Jesus, I plead that blood over each and every one of these needs here today and over every single unspoken need here today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hallelujah. Could we give a hand clap of praise to the Lord? Just one thing I would like to mention. I am not some entitled young buck who is the grandson of the pastor who feels at liberty to say whatever he pleases. A lot of times, whatever I say, it's typically exactly what God fed to me first. (laughs) And whenever I was thinking of that, sometimes I, I will notice I tend to slip off with my praise. And last night I was at a game night with some friends. Logan, Alec was there as well. And the preface of the game is to sort of really convince others of something you're not. So, lying basically. And there was something that, that, that Alex said to me that I won't forget, and it wasn't meant to be like that. And I'm typically not the guy that, like, you know, changes game night into something so profound. I, typically, I despise those people, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> I'm just being very honest, sorry. Um, and so he said, he said, I saw the passion, and I saw the fire in Sterling's eyes, and I just knew he wasn't lying. I was lying. But... But, and I thought, I was like, man, I'm, I'm so passionate and so fiery about a lie in a game that has nothing to do with my tomorrow. It has no effect on how I'm going to go to bed tonight. It has no effect on how my, if the trumpet was sounded and I went up to heaven or I went to hell, it has no effect on that. And I thought, man, if I can get that fiery and that passionate about a lie in a game, but I'm not giving everything to God, that rock is looking pretty mighty. And I pictured this rock instantly, and I was like, God, don't let me slip. Don't let me lose my faith in you, even on my circumstances. Don't let me get too hot in this world. And then when I get to church, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I stayed up late. Work was hard this week. I'm not doubting that. I'm not doubting any of your situations. I'm not doubting any of your lives. But I understand how easy it is to get fiery in this world. How easy it is to get caught up in the things of this world. And so sometimes, like Sister Callan just said to me, we got to reel it back in. We got to get back to the start. We got to get back to our first love. We got to get back to the one who gave us our blessings. We got to get back to the one who said, no matter what you do, Sterling, I'm leaving the 99 for you. No matter what kind of troubles you got yourself into, I'm going to come back for you. And then I know I'm taking a little bit, but who's been grateful for Brother Seth Williams this week? I'm so sad and I'm so grateful for him. He's, he's going to kill it today. But at this time, we're going to have our tithing offering come. And if y'all are feeling a little extra love for Brother Seth, then by all means, take it out in the financial department. <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. You've done such an awesome work in uh, each and every single one of our lives. And I know you're going to continue that work here today. God, I pray that you would bless each and every single one of us. And you would bless the givers, God. And you would bless those that aren't able to give. In Jesus' name, bless us all. Amen. Jesus, I want to thank you for being.
And at this time, if you would please stand and help me honor the man of God as he comes today and delivers the word of God to us. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on this Sunday morning? Amen. I got a couple of you excited about being here. We'll get the rest of you on board here in a minute, and we'll see what God wants to do. But I come today to assure you, you're not here by coincidence or happenstance. God doesn't operate in coincidences, and God has never made a mistake. But every person under the sound of my voice is here by divine order of the power of the Holy Ghost. And I believe today, if somebody will allow him, God will take care of what you ain't been able to take care of for yourself. Amen. I believe today God will step in on the scene and what you have thrown your hands up in frustration. Matter of fact, some of you just need to get to the point where that's what you do is you just throw your hands up and say, I can't do it anymore. And that's when God says, good, I've been waiting on you to get to this point because he said, I will lower every mountain. I will raise every valley and I will make every crooked place straight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter number 24. Verse number 24 and 25, and while you are turning there, I know he is not here, and Sister Meyer is not here. They've already gone on to conference, but I want to honor them today. I know he will see this, and even if he doesn't, it's always in order to give honor to the man of God. I honor Pastor and Sister Meyer. It has truly been an honor for me to be here. Thank God for my beautiful wife and kiddos. Amen. I give honor to all of you. Amen. It's something to be said for a people that will show up even when they know the pastor isn't here. you got to understand something. While a watchman is very important, the word declares you must have a pastor in your life. We can still have a move of God even though pastor's not in the room today. Amen. I do honor them, all of their family, Brother Stephen and Sister Callan, have been so wonderful to us, and, and he's unable to be here this morning. But my goodness, if you missed Friday night's youth rally, that hometown boy got up into this pulpit and straight preached the word of God. Amen. See a smiling face of a proud mama over there. He got up here and I even talked to him afterwards. I said, Brother Stephen, I said, I am so Holy Ghost proud that you just flat preached. Our young people have enough motivational speakers. There's enough self-help books and all the speaking in the world. And our world, matter of fact, our adults, we have enough podcasts and we've got enough books and enough support systems. What we need is men and women of God to rise up and stand behind the sacred desk and preach the word of God. Amen. So I honor all of you today. Acts chapter 24, verse 24 and 25. I give honor to the media team today, Brother Micah and your team. Thank you so much. I have not supplied them with anything, and you see it still has not stopped them. They do a wonderful, I told him the other night, Wednesday night, I said, you know, the media and sound team, they never get any credit, but they always get noticed when something squeals or something's not right or it's not on time. Everybody gives them this number. Y'all ain't never looked up there when something sounded good. Something was up there just right. So I give them honor today. Amen. Acts chapter 24. There you go. Go ahead. 
Verse 24, and after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Verse 25, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Bible says Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. By the help of the Holy Ghost, for just a few minutes, I've come today to preach the casualties of a convenient season. The casualties of a convenient season. Would you lift your hands with me all across this room right now and ask God to anoint the remainder of this service. God, we love you. Thank you, God, for the privilege and the opportunity that we have today to come into your house and to gather together with people of precious and like faith and to worship you as a body of believers. God, I thank you for the worship that's gone forth. I thank you for your presence that I feel today. I'm honored at the opportunity to minister your word, but God, we pray your anointing upon my lips of clay today to preach your word with passion, compassion, passion, love, and respect, but anoint me to preach the word, God, as you would have it preached. Anoint every ear, every mind, and every heart in this room today, and let all the glory and the honor and praise be unto yours, unto you, God. Can you clap your hands one more time in this room? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Felix is the governor of Judea. He was the governor for eight years and was married to Drusilla, a Jewish Jewess, who was the daughter of Herod Agrippa I, who was the grandson of Herod the Great, which was the Herod who issued the decree to have all male children killed in an attempt to kill Jesus Christ. But what this self-proclaimed Herod the Great did not realize is what our adversary in the world needs to realize today. It don't matter what decree is passed. It don't matter what laws are passed. It doesn't matter what happens. There will never be a law or a decree to stop the church of the living God. This is not the worst hour to be living for God. This is the greatest hour to be the church of the living God. I gotta rise today and tell you I'm not ashamed to be apostolic. This is the greatest hour to live for God and it doesn't matter what the world does it doesn't matter what the person beside you does there will be nothing that will stop the church of the living God I wish somebody would help me preach in this house this morning we are a privileged people to get to live for God and yeah we may go through storms but we got the God that steps on the boat and says peace be still Brother Sterling, I was thinking about the comments you were making. Some of them, not all of them. I was thinking about some of them. And we often reference Jesus stepping out on that storm, on the bow of that boat, and saying, peace be still. But you got to understand it was much more than that because if you read out through the man who was in the tombs of Gadara, Gadara overlooked the Sea of Galilee. This man was in the tombs. This wasn't some tomb-like cave, but where he was was a graveyard. And the graveyard which they had in, in Gadara was not where they buried people. But this graveyard was literally bodies stacked upon top of bodies upon bodies. It was a nasty place to be. It was gory and nasty, and I'm sure it didn't smell the best in the world. 
And this man was so possessed by a legion of anywhere from six to, to 20,000 devils and they tried to chain him and could not and they, they tried to bind him and could not and he went so far as to even cutting himself to try to relieve the pressure and the pain that he was in from this demonic possession. And could it be that while he was in those tombs that overlooked the Sea of Galilee, that he looked out on that boat as the storm was raging, and they were in the boat knowing that Jesus was with them, and they were panicking, saying, Are you going to let us die? Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus gets up from his nap and said, Peace be still. Could it be that that man in the tomb of Gadara was looking across that sea that day and said if he can speak to the storm, if he can speak to the wind and the sea and it obeys him, then he can speak to what's going on in my world. And the only difference is when that boat touched the sea of Gadara, that man possessed with a legion of demons ran to him and began to worship. He said, I don't know what all you're about to do for me, but I'm going to worship you. And as he began to worship him. Jesus cast those devils. I want you to know sometimes your storm may not be about you, but it may be about somebody that's watching you and somebody that's looking from afar and they say, hey, if God can do that for them, then surely he can do that for me. Don't you get frustrated about your storm. Don't you, I know it's easier said than done. I've been in a few of them myself and I've been frustrated, but God has always brought me through. If God always brought you out of everything, then how would we ever know God could bring us through anything? Instead of praying, God, bring me out. God, bring me through. And when I come through, let it be a witness to my family. Let it be a witness to my coworkers. Let it be a witness to everybody around me. Sometimes your storm ain't got nothing to do with you. But when you come through the other side, maybe it's the breakthrough your family needs. Maybe it's the breakthrough that will bring your sons and daughters back home. Paul is brought before Felix in a trial because he was preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that he had been instructed to do so by Jesus Christ. You've got to understand I love great sermons. I love great illustrations. I love miracle signs and wonders. But the great commission was to preach the gospel. The only message that they were commanded to preach was repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That just gets you in the church. Repenting, being baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost, that's just your ticket in. That's the plan of salvation. But what will keep you is faithfulness to the house of God, faithfulness, faithfulness to a prayer room, faithfulness to the word of God. I know it's unpopular, but the Bible says, except a man is born again of water and of spirit. I submit to you today, you can't live just any way you want to and still make it to heaven. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He's God above all, God through all, and God in you all. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Father in creation, the Son manifest in flesh and the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you and I. There's not three persons. There's one throne that sits in heaven and Jesus Christ sits on it. I know I wouldn't have everybody with me, but you won't be able to point your finger at me and say I didn't preach the truth. As a matter of fact, our world is, I'm sick of religion. Somebody said Amen. 
Our world is sick of religion. You can go anywhere and find something to make you feel good. There are a dime a dozen out there, but convenience will always make you feel good. We live in a world that's filled with convenience. There's nothing greater, Brother Aaron Little, to be able to walk into Starbucks and my coffee be ready for me because I did a mobile order. There's no man I'll bust up in that place. I walk there and I see my name on that cup. I pet, thank you, ma'am. And I'm on my way. I feel like I own the place. We live in a world that's filled with convenience. Convenience is awesome, but convenience is also detrimental. Convenience is great when you want to pick up your burger or you want to get that 2 o'clock in the morning Taco Bell run for that Mexican pizza and them Doritos Los Tacos, praise God. Convenience is awesome when it comes to that kind of thing. But convenience in the house of God will lead us to a destructive place. God's not looking for a church that wants convenience. God's looking for a body that says, I'll consecrate myself. We got to quit treating God like he's some kind of burger king, like you can have it your way. But we got to get in here and say, nevertheless, thy will be done. Your will be done in us as it is in heaven. God's looking for a people that will say, hey, I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting. Convenience is awesome for certain things, but convenience will put us in a place of comfortable, comfortability, comfortableness. One of those synonyms. But it's what happened when they came out of Egypt. They had been in slavery for over 400 years. And they found a place, the the, the wilderness, everybody's read about the wilderness. A cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, manna for breakfast, manna for supper, manna for a snack. It rained whenever they needed some water flowed from a rock. God can make those rocks do stuff. They ended up in the wilderness, and the wilderness always gets a negative connotation. But the wilderness was direct provision of God. It was a place for them to go to get rest and a place for them to go to get strength so they could make the journey to the promised land. But what they decided is, God, we're satisfied with good enough. We're satisfied with showing up on Sunday morning, singing a few songs with them, and we'll give a little wave praise, and then we'll let let pastor preach or whoever's there preach, and, and we'll go about our way and say, man, didn't we have church? It's just good and comfortable. Keep me comfortable, preacher. Don't preach nothing that'll convict me. Preach me comfortable, preacher. Don't preach me nothing that'll change me. Preach me comfortable, preacher. Don't, don't, don't preach something that's going to require me to do something. Because I'm comfortable where I'm at. Because you see, I can still do what I want to do out there and I can still fake it till I make it in here. I know it was going to be this way today and I tried to ask God to let me preach anything else but I've got to bear my burden to you. There are people in this room today that you have settled down into the comfortable place and your miracle's not in the comfortable place. There's still a promised land waiting. There's still God's waiting on somebody to rise up out of your comfortable place and say, I'm not satisfied with good church. I want great church. I'm not satisfied with going through the motions. I want a demonstration of God's glory. It took a whole generation to die in a comfortable place 
And the Lord said, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. He said, now arise. He said, they may have chose to die in the comfortable place. They may have chose to die, but I got to tell you something, Joshua. My promises didn't die. I want somebody to know that promise God gave you 20 years ago, Elder. That promise is going to come to pass. You just got to get out of your comfortable place. You just got to get out of the wilderness. You got to get out of the wilderness of the lies of the adversary that said, if God hadn't done it now, he ain't going to do it. Let me tell you something. If God says he's going to do it, he's going to take care of it. What you need to do is you need to rise up and start marching towards that promised land, baby. Don't you let your promise die in a wilderness don't you let your promise die in a place of comfortability I want you to know God's got a promise for everybody in this room and this promise is unto you and to your children and those who are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call it's not the will of God that any die lost but every man woman boy and girl come to salvation Paul is brought before Felix because of preaching the gospel. Something about what Paul was saying caused Felix to delay in his judgment. Caused a delay as the governor in his ruling of what should be done for, to Paul for what he was doing. So he orders Paul to be locked up until he reaches a decision. And while Paul is locked up, Felix and his wife call for him to be brought before them. And they want to hear what Paul has to say about the faith in Jesus Christ and the message that he was preaching and the teachings he was teaching. Paul no doubt had to plainly lay it out there for them. And the reason I can say no doubt is because it's this same Paul that said in Romans 1 and 16, I've already quoted it, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To everyone. You don't have this problem here, but I'll just go ahead and say it so I can say I went on record and say it. Said it. There's no room for racism in the house of God. There's no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. There's no room for us to have cultural division. Matter of fact, there's no room for any kind of division. I don't care if you've got the finest ride and the fattest bank account or you pulled yourself in here off the street today. This gospel is to everyone that believeth. It don't matter if you were raised in this church house or you were raised in the local drug house or you come from some other different kind of background. This gospel is for everyone. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every creed, every color, every tongue, every nation. It's for everyone. Somebody shout everyone. And that includes me. Tell yourself, it includes me. There are people here today that are living under the lies of the adversary that said because where you come from and what you've done and how long it's been since you've actually gave yourself to God that you're never going to amount to nothing. You're never going to make it living for God and you're never going to be successful at anything that you do. Let me be real clear and teach a Sunday school right now. The devil is a lie. I'll say it again. The devil is a lie. So sick and tired of our churches believing the lies of the adversary and the fear that has gripped a hold of the, the Lord did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. We've got power over fear. We've got power over the enemy. We've got power over our situations and love. We're to love everyone as we love ourselves and of a sound mind. It's not the will of God for you to walk into this place stricken by fear. 
Some of you already today wanted to get out and worship. You wanted to step out and run to this altar. You wanted to step out and have somebody pray for you. But the fear of what others may think and and the fear of what it may look like and the fear of, well, what if it don't happen? It can't ever happen if you don't give it a chance. What if it don't happen? Then come back Wednesday and try again. What if it don't happen Wednesday? Come back Sunday and try again. Sometimes God will give us a no first just to see how bad we want it. But somebody needs to keep knocking on the door. God, I still need my miracle. God, I still need my salvation. God, I still need something to happen in my world. You had no clue what I was preaching today. And I was trying over there the whole time to get God to let me preach something else. But he talked about Job. Job's trial lasted. Historians and theologians believe that it lasted for one year. Six months to a year. Job was in the trial of his life. Job lost everything. And all of this in Job was still faithful to God. Job said, I'm not living out of convenience. I'm living out of commitment. I'm not living out of what feels comfortable. I I look to the left and I can't find him. I look for him over here and he's not there. I've looked behind me. I've looked up. God, where are you? But nevertheless, his own wife said, Job, you might as well just curse God and die. Go ahead, Job. You've suffered long enough. God's not for you. But the Bible says in Job chapter number 42, I believe, the last chapter of Job, 41, somewhere in there. It says, now after this, Job lived 140 years. Six months to a year, he spent in a trial. What are you trying to say? My pastor preached a message on this and he titled it, there's always an after this. And somebody's getting ready to step into your after this. You've been in your trial for the last six months to a year. You've been in your trial what seems like forever. But you're about to have a now after this. And the years of blessing far outweighed the years of trial. The good times far outweighed the bad times. I know you've been going through hell and it seems like you can't catch your breath. Well, God has stepped into this place this morning. And if you'll consecrate yourself under him he'll breathe the breath of life into you again after Paul preaches the gospel to Felix and Drusilla the Bible said in our opening text after hearing the gospel reason to righteousness temperance and judgment to come Felix trembled when you preach the word of God it works We don't have to fabricate some kind of message to get some emotional response. I said that in y'all's prayer room yesterday when I was over here praying and studying and and I said, God, I'm not interested in in hype. I'm not interested in fabricating for an emotional response, God. But what I'm interested in doing is preaching the word and seeing a deep move of God. We don't need fabricated moves of God built off a hype. But what we need is a people to rise up and say, I'm so sick and tired of living through this hell that I've been going through. I'm so sick and tired of laying down empty and getting up empty but I want something that will fill me up to overflowing and the word when it's preached it will do what it's doing in this room right now it will cause people to tremble 
It'll cause people to think about what they're doing, what they're going through, how their life's panning out. How did I end up here? Where did it all start at? How did we take this turn? And we start examining ourselves by the word of God. The word is a lamp under our feet so we can see where we are right now and a light under our path so he can lead us where he wants us to go. And it searches the dark corners of our heart and it leaves us trembling and shaking because we know if he were to come back right now, We'd be found in a season of convenience. Just doing enough to appease everybody. Just doing enough to appeal to my moral obligations. Just doing enough so I can make my conscience quieten down a little bit. Thing is, convenience brings casualties. How many families die in a season of convenience? How many anointed ministries that should be birthed out of this body of believers become casualties because of a season of convenience? Because we just want to put it on cruise control. I got news for you from the youngest person that attends this church to the eldest person that goes here. If you're not dead, then God's not done. Elder, just because you've got up in years and you've got a little bit more experience than some of us have, it doesn't mean that you're done and you're ineffective. You have not lost your value. We still need elders to give their testimony. We still need elders to realize you're still valuable in the kingdom of God. Young people, hear me. Don't you ever roll your nose up at an elder and don't have time to hear their story. Because I'm sure with no, no disrespect, there are gray-haired folks and less-haired folks and in-between-haired folks. I'm, I'm getting there. Brother Tony, I'm, I'm joining a circle I never thought I'd be a part of. But you know what? It's getting better by the day. But don't you ever roll your nose up in an elder and think you don't have time to hear what they say. Oh, they're just being an old fogey. Oh, they're just stuck in their old ways. No, what they're doing is they're telling you the same God that brought what they, if you'll listen to them. Matter of fact, it ought to do some of you some good. I'm going to challenge this youth group and I may be out of line and Pastor Meyer fix me and he'll tell me about it and never have me back and that'll be okay. But what you need to do is you need to find an elder and you need to say, tell me your story. Help me. Because what these elders can do is they can protect you from a life of trouble what they can do is they can give you a story that'll keep you from making the same mistakes that they can make I want you to know church if God was done with your life we'd already put you in a box said a few things about you sang a few pretty songs and put you in the ground but the fact that you're still here lets me know that God's not done and if God's not done then there's more for you to have there's more miracles there's more blessing there's more testimony there's more victory to have But Felix began to tremble because the weight of conviction. You see, convenience leaves us with empty prayer rooms and half services. Convenience leaves us with going through the motions and never no true changes. Convenience leaves us just putting it on cruise control and saying, well, as long as I show up, I'm okay. And you got to keep showing up. I don't understand why when we make mistakes, we quit coming. 
I'm gonna say, I said this in conversation. It may have been to you the other day. If, if y'all ain't been down to the 903 and got one of them American Strongs, praise God, Sister Kylie makes the best one I ever had. Your mom's gonna kill me for that, but it's okay. We were down there and I was talking and I said, you know, people think I've got to get my life in order with the tanner before I come to God. When I get my ducks in a row, Brother Lester, then, then I'll go down there to the church. I don't know where the lie has got off that the church is a bunch of perfect people that are better than everybody else, but that's not the truth. Such were some of you. Anybody got a testimony? Anybody got a story? Anybody got a, Come on, lift your hand right now. If you everybody in this room... I've got a testimony, and the only thing that this church makes me better than is the person I used to be. I'm not better than the man standing down on the corner. I'm not better than an alcoholic falling off a bar stool. I'm only better than the person I used to be, and I say thank God for mercy. But you don't get your life in order and then come to church. You bring your mess to church, and you let God get it in order for you. Conviction caused him to tremble. And conviction will cause us to make a decision. And we'll either make the right decision or we'll make the wrong. The beauty of God is this. He gives us free will. He gives us choice. He gives us the option. Got salvation. Or you can keep doing what you've been doing. Matter of fact, he puts it plainly in the word. He says, choose you this day. I've set before you life and death. And, and the question is always, is this a heaven or a hell issue? Anybody ever ask that question? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. It's rhetorical, I know. It's always going around. Is, is this a heaven or a hell issue? What do you mean is this a heaven or hell? Everything we do is a heaven or hell issue. Everything that we do, and the, the word, we, we, we got to get this concept that says preach always and sometimes use words. Preach always and sometimes speak if you have to. Somebody had to explain that to me. And now I use it all the time because now I got it. I understood what it's talking about. We're epistles known and read of all men. It's the age old saying actions speak louder than words. You can tell me all you want to, but show me. I'm telling you right now, there's a God that will set you free. And if you'll meet me at this altar, I'll show you. There's a God that can heal your body, and if you'll meet me at this altar, I'll show you. Oh, preacher, you're just talking crazy. Yeah, I am. I'm talking crazy because I'm full of faith, and I'm not the one that's got to do the work. He's got to do the work. If I speak the word, he'll do the work. If I declare it, if I, it's not on my shoulders to perform. It's not on my shoulders to work. It's on my shoulders to speak the word. And when you speak the word, the word will not return void. I declare that every backslider in this room can pray through today. Every sinner can become the saint. Every prodigal can come back to the Father's house. Every sickness can be healed. Every disease can be be for uh, healed today in this room he began to tremble because the fear of judgment was greater than the political office that he held but he looks at him and I'm almost done I apologize no I can't apologize this isn't what you expected today but I'm not apologetic for preaching the word After all, I mean, if if you don't like it, this is my last service. (laughs) 
So, you know what, we'll just go with it. I'm going to hook up to that trailer and we're going to make a six and a half hour drive here in just a little bit. His fear of what others may think because he held a political office. His fear of what his circle of friends might think if he became one of those holy rolling apostolic, tongue talking, peanut brittle making. Some of you ladies need to fire that peanut brittle machine back up. I ain't had no good peanut brittle in a while. Huh? Hey, peanut brittle probably purchased some of these pews you're sitting on. And it's good. But you know what I'm saying? They, they say all, there's all kind of acronyms to describe Pentecost. People criticize for two reasons. Those of you that take notes, write this down. There are two reasons that lead people to criticism. One, a lack of understanding. People criticize what they do not understand. It's easy, Brother Griffith, for me to sit back and tell somebody how to do their job. Daddy always told us, don't you ever criticize a desk till you sit behind it. It's easy to armchair quarterback on, on why things should have happened and what they could have done different and what could have been better and, and why my fantasy would be a lot different. My fantasy team would be doing a lot better if they'd have just put my guy in. And the second reason people criticize things is because of fear. Lack of understanding and fear is what causes people to criticize. And people, all they've ever heard is the lies about this church. All they've ever heard is, oh, don't go down there. They're going to brainwash you. There's not a person in this room that they took you to the back room and they put you in front of a screen and said, okay, when the preacher slaps you on the head, you're going to start going da-da-da-da-da-da. I can't teach you how to get the Holy Ghost. I can't give you the Holy Ghost. I, I can't do any of that, but all I can tell you is I've got a personal experience. I don't have a religion. I've got a personal experience. And when I brought my addiction to an altar, I'm not talking about somebody else's story. I'm talking about me being addicted to alcohol and being addicted to drugs and being addicted to tobacco and trying to commit suicide. When I brought all of that to an altar and I began to repent, I didn't care what anybody else thought. I didn't care about my circle of friends. I didn't care about a political party. I didn't care about what they were going to think. I needed a change. I needed something different. And when I ran to an altar, not out of convenience, but I needed something, I found mercy. I found a love when I was unlovable A hope when I was hopeless A help when I was not able to help myself Conviction moved and Felix said Go thy way, preacher I appreciate you preaching it to me I appreciate you being straightforward and honest with me But preacher, not right now you don't understand the social club. Preacher, not right now. And I'm looking at him so I don't offend nobody. That happened one time I was preaching somewhere and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rambunctious kind of guy. I like to move. I like to get red in the face and I do the huckabuck and all this other stuff. And somebody said that I was pointing them out. So I'm going to just look at you. If they, is that okay? All right. You just smile like you're doing and we'll have a good time. Preacher, thank you. For being honest, but this really wouldn't go over well with the boys right now. Preacher, thank you for being honest, but 
I've got an image to uphold. Convenience says, preacher, I, I thank you, I hear you, and I feel it move on me, and I'm trembling and I'm shaking because I realize today if God come back, I wouldn't make it. But the problem is the adversary has convinced us that we've got time. Not today, it's okay. Don't respond today. Maybe next week's your week. You know, it's like that sign in that steakhouse, free ribeyes tomorrow. Brother Morton, I showed up tomorrow and it still said, free ribeyes tomorrow. But the way we see time and the way Bible sees time, life is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And the adversary has trapped our churches inside of convenient seasons. Saying, I hear the word, preacher. I feel God's spirit move. I'll be straightforward with you. Conviction has hit a lot of people in this room this morning. And I'm not, you know, I'm not yelling and we're not running, we're not shouting. They took the chandeliers out so nobody could swing from them. But I'm preaching where you're living. I'm preaching the word today because God sent a, a redneck young man from Deweyville, Texas to tell somebody you're going to become a casualty of your convenient season. And the revival God's trying to start in your family that's supposed to start with you is going to die by the wayside in your convenient season. Felix tells him, verse 25 of our opening text, Go thy way. I'll call for you in a convenient season. You search your Bible from Acts chapter 24 and verse 25. From this story on, you never hear Felix and Drusilla again. Never. And the reason you never hear them again is because your convenient season will never come. It'll never be convenient to live for God. It'll never be convenient to live a separate lifestyle. It'll never be convenient to say, I can't come tonight because we're having prayer meeting. I can't be there tonight because we got a rally going on. It'll never be convenient, but God's not looking for convenience. Convenience is going to send us to hell, but consecration will secure an eternal salvation. At the end of the day, you got to realize that this world is coming to an end. I know it's hard to understand. I know it's hard to comprehend because this life is all we've ever known and all we've ever been taught is to go to school and get an education, get a job so you can support your family, make good homes and make good money and do the best you can. And it's so hard to realize that one day that house is going to not be there and one day that money's not going to be worth anything. And at the end of the day, it'll be have you repented have you been baptized in Jesus name and have you received the Holy Ghost it's 2022 and it's not popular this isn't popular but it'll save your soul you can take and cut out of it what you want to cut out of it 
You can take and manipulate it and twist it and bend it and shape it and however else you want to. But it's already forever settled in heaven. It don't matter what you do to it. It ain't changing. You can stand with me all across the room. The Lord began to deal with me in a prayer room. Tears began to flow down my face. Because I wondered, especially some of you young people, I was called to preach from the age of 13. Don't you dare think that you've got to wait till you're 35. Don't you dare think you've got to wait till you're older. Calling was on my life at the age of 13. But it wasn't convenient. And I did all kind of other things. Obviously from my testimony earlier of what God brought me out of. I did a whole lot of other things. Because living this apostolic life was not convenient for what I wanted to do. It wasn't convenient for the friend circle I wanted to keep. It wasn't convenient for the lifestyle I wanted to have. Brother Tanner, it hit me. In that prayer room. I said, how many of my friends, how many of my peers, God, are going to be a casualty because I wanted convenience? I've got lost family. And I pray, God, Don't let them die lost because I was looking for convenience instead of consecration. You've got employers, employees, co-workers and peers that you're their only connection to any church. You're their only connection to any kind of hope. Don't let them become a casualty of your convenience season. How sad would it be? Because you see, we're convinced that only the people outside of this room are going to hell. Sad tragedy is hell's gates will receive people straight from the pew in this room. I'm not condemning. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But it's a very strong possibility. Because it's not convenient. I know everybody else is doing everything else and and it looks fun, but the season of the pleasure of the season of sin is just for a little while. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Dress it up however you want to. Call it whatever you want. A mistake, a failure, a shortcoming, an incident, an accident. You know, they say that about that little white lie. Nammy, I've always been told it's either all lie or all truth. The Bible declares that sin is sin. Save blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. There's no sin greater than the other. 
So what do we do now, preacher? You make a choice. You make a choice. You either run to this altar and you find a season of consecration and commitment or you do what you've been doing for some time now. You pack your things up. You put your arm around your family and you walk out no different than the way that you walked in. Felix said go thy way because it's not for me right now I'll come back tomorrow I'll come back when I've got time I'll I'll come back when it fits into my schedule I'll come back when I can work it around whatever else I'm doing Let's put a pin in that salvation stuff. We'll visit that in a little while. The problem is, what are you going to do when a little while don't ever come? And while you're waiting for that convenient season, my God, I wish I had a trumpet to blow. I want every eye in this room closed. I don't want anybody looking around right now, please. Hell has just launched an attack into your world because fear and conviction is moving you to a place of trembling. And fear is trying to lock you into a place saying, no, 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 just a little bit while longer and he'll quit talking and they'll start singing and we can go on back to our routine. Don't be a casualty of waiting for tomorrow. Don't be a casualty of waiting until you got time. God's drawing every person in this room right now. We don't have to make this announcement, but the altars are open and I want everybody to come if you're physically able. I know God's the same everywhere, but at some point in time, you gotta get out of that comfortable place. At some point in time, you gotta get out of that convenient season. With all due respect, don't come if you're just gonna stand around and watch. We don't need spectators. We got those a dime a dozen. But we need somebody that says, God, I don't want to be a casualty of convenience. I don't want to die lost in my convenience season. But I need a change. I need a renewing. I need transformation. Come on, broken-hearted friend. Lift your voice. <laughs> Come on, troubled saint of God. Lift your voice. Your mistakes have not disqualified you. There's room for mercy. There's room for restoration. The Father's arms are open saying come home come home 
want the ministry team to walk around and help me. Walk around and pray for people. Come on, somebody, let restoration. Let your wall down.